Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. I'm going to ask you this question, and we'll get started today with the message in Matthew 28. If I was going to ask you the question, why do we go to church, um, I'd love to know what answer I might get back from everybody. Why do we go to church? Great question. Why do we go to church? Not why do you go to church? Why do we go to church? And some people would say things like, well, my grandmama used to go. So that's why I go. I don't, Pastor, what do you mean? Or some people would say, well, that's what you're just supposed to do. Good Christian people go to church. I've heard all kinds of answers before when you ask the question, why should we go to church? Why do you go to church? I said, well, I mean, you know, that's just the right thing to do, Pastor. That's just the right thing to do. Said, all right, all right. You know, and when I first started serving the Lord, to be honest with you, I never asked that question. I never asked myself, why should I go to church? Never thought about it one time. Why should I go to church? It was just, I needed church. I was a new Christian, just serving God, just breaking open my Bible to know what I was doing. Man, I was trying to figure my way out around the Bible. And my thought was, hey, the guy that was speaking, he seems to like every now and then I would be having these questions. You know, I'd be sitting out in the seats and I'd be having these weird questions throughout the week. Like, you know, Lord, why would you flood the earth? Why would you mention Noah and the ark and blah, blah, blah. And a guy would stand up and mention Noah and the ark. And I'd go, how do you know that I was thinking that? And after two or three or four times, you go like, well, that's weird, man. But I have these questions when I came to church. A lot of times it got answered through people, maybe friends or acquaintances I got to know, or somebody on the platform, whatever. But I just began to realize, man, I need church because I am getting things from God that I'm not getting anywhere else. I had questions about life and questions about other things. But I never asked the question, why should I go to church? My thought was, I need to go to church. That's all I ever thought. So this morning, I want to ask you, maybe answer this question of why do we go to church, though, from a, maybe a thought process, maybe we haven't maybe gone over before, but Matthew 28 and verse 16. So we'll go there. And this, listen, I'm going to use the, the New American Standard Bible. Uh, I know if you're looking on the Bibles in your seats or New Living Translation, read along with them. It's fine. But the reason I'm doing this, and so I was talking to our team this week, so I'm probably going to um, eventually when I find enough of them, uh, I'm probably gonna get the, the ESV Bibles and bring in and just put in the seats and I'm going to give all these away because the reason why is the ones you're holding in the LT, they are a great reading Bible, fantastic reading Bible. Matter of fact, I am actually, this is a Tyndale, uh, new living translation Bible right here. I love it. It's a fantastic Bible. It's a great reading Bible. It's been, uh, written on a sixth grade reading level. So it reads very easy. It flows really well. The only issue is it's a, what is called a thought for thought translation, meaning that someone took the time to read the original manuscript with a team of people. And they said, okay, in the English language, instead of saying just these and thous, the sentence structure doesn't make sense when you bring it over into English sometimes. So instead of trying to make it as complicated as it sounds, they said, let's just make it sound a little easier. And they did thought for thought. Whereas an English Standard Version, a New York American Standard Version, which I'm using today um, for my notes that I'll put on the screen for you, is a dynamic equivalency translation, which means they took the original manuscripts without uh, altering them, and they put the sentence structure in line so that it reads as close as you can possibly get it to the original. Does that make sense to everybody? So when you get New Living Translation, they're great. Read them. I read mine. It's a great reading, especially when I'm not studying. I love it because, look, there's no study uh, icons on it. There's no little A, Bs, and little, little oh, what's this mean right over here? But even on my translation, when I study on my computer software, same thing. But with my New American Standard, I have all these study features that I can learn and actually know so I can bring things to you. But so does that make sense? So I'm going to put the New American Standard up here. I know that's what's in the seats, and but just roll with me here, and then we'll get some more uh, later, okay? So Matthew 28, verse 16, it says, The eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee. Now these eleven, obviously, minus Judas, Judas is gone. It says the eleven disciples, they proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus has de- had de- designated. And when they saw him, verse 17, they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And we, 
I always blame Thomas, but let's just be honest. Thomas wasn't the only one. Thomas gets a big, you know, he gets picked on a lot, doesn't he? But, you know, he wasn't the only guy doubting stuff. Uh, actually, all of them doubted at one point. They all left and fled. So Jesus came up to them. He spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit. By the way, baptisms. So it's very interesting all this rain today, but the last two Sundays were great and dry. We baptized in the last two Sundays. I think it was 18 people in the last two uh, Sundays. That is awesome, man. You ought to give the Lord some praise right there like for that. That was so fun. So you're going to baptize uh, people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, when you wonder, I don't want to get off into too many things, but listen, I just, oh, I can't help it. When we baptize people, the word baptism means to be dunked. That's the best English word for it. It means to be completely submerged, to baptize. And we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We don't do any of this. Well, we just baptize you. No, it's in, why? Because Jesus said, this is how you do it. So when people question why, why, here's the answer. We do it because Jesus said do it. And we do it in the name of the Father and in the Son and in the Holy Spirit. We do not leave out one member of the Trinity because Jesus said to do it this way. Okay, all right, verse 20. Then we're to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, when we read this verse of Scripture, this is what most, if you've heard of this and if you haven't, this is what it's called. But most Christians would say when you read this, this is called the what? The Great Commission. And it is. That's what it's called. If I were to ask people about church, they would say, this is the purpose for the church. But if I were to ask you, well, why do you go to church? You might reference this, but when you think about it, well, that's probably not why we go to church. Why do we go to church? I mean, he says, go and make disciples. That's not really going to church. That's going. And so a lot of times we hear this and we think, man, we, we got to go do some stuff. And I think it's really important to ask the question sometimes why we do certain things as believers. So why then do we uh, go to church? Is it for knowledge? Is it for um, information? Or is it for understanding and for application? Like it used to be, we went to church, it used to be when we go to church, this is a lot of times why we, we win. And we tend not to say this to anybody, this is why we did it. We go to meetings, we go to church, we go to Bible studies, why? To learn more so that we could argue with our other Christian believing friends that didn't maybe know as much. Don't act like that's not true. You know it's true. You've been around people like that. You, you say, hey, I'm just going to pray over the meal. And, and you pray, you do the best you can, Lord, I just bless this food and... Thank you, God, for a great day. And you get the best you can. You've never prayed before. You can say, and I just thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And so I say, and then the other person who knows so much says, well, actually, if you've been praying accurately, you would have. Do you understand what I'm saying? You ever met? The, it's like they're in a key, they just can't help themselves. It's like nonstop. Well, you're doing the best you can. I mean, my kids pray prayers like this. My little one, she'll pray, Lord, thank you for the food. God, thank you for bringing us a cat that... I know my daddy doesn't want it, and he doesn't like cats, but I thank you. You sent us one anyway. We're, not, we're supposed to be praying over the food. Yes, someone did that, and I hate cats. I'd give it to you right now if you want. All you got is ask. I mean, ask, and you shall receive. You understand what I'm saying? Stinking cats. And this cat's the laziest cat you've ever met in your life. It just sits there in front of the door. You got to go out. And it sits there and looks up at you while you push it out of the way with the door. And it just lays there. <laughs> Hate cats. They actually told me this. Someone dropped off two dogs. These are called pandemic pets, if you don't know. If you got one, keep it, all right? You got the thing during COVID, keep the stinking dog or cat or turkey or, you know, parrot. Whatever you got that's a weird animal in the pandemic. Oh, I got to get a pandemic pet. Well, keep it. We don't want your pandemic pets, right? You know, we love. So anyway... These people dropped off these pit bulls, right? And I don't do pit bulls. You got one? That's You do you? I ain't having one of them things. My kids said, oh, dad, it's a dog. I said, no, they're pits. We ain't keeping them. I called up the, the whatever. It, we used to call it the pound. That's not appropriate anymore. God forbid. It's called the, the pals. Paws. What is it called? Paws. That's what it's called. The Animal Development Center. I don't know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So 
I mean, if you eat hamburgers, you know they slaughter cattle, right? You understand that when you eat a steak, baby, they cut that cattle right across the neck. That sucker bled out and you ate a steak. You know that? We act like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You fried chicken. That was a living chicken. It's, anyway, so they, I called the pound and they said, yeah, we'll come pick them up. They were there that day, picked up these pit bulls. It's no joke. I called the same people about the cat. You know what they said? We don't pick up cats. I'm not making this up. And you know what I said? I don't blame you. <laughs> I, I don't blame you at all. But prayer is, when my little girl prays, it's the most innocent thing. Out of the mouth of babes come for perfected praise. And, you know, there's no sense in correcting people when they didn't ask for it. Jesus said, if they're for me, they're not against me. Jesus, they're over there preaching and baptizing people. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. Well, I'm going to mess with them for it. Yeah, but they're not doing it exactly how we're doing it. Well, I mean, they're not, they're not like in huge error, are they? Well, I mean, they're baptizing in that other river, not in the Jordan River like you did it. Yeah, but they're baptizing, right? Yeah. Are they doing it in my name, the Father and the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just leave them alone. See, too many times, like, so knowledge was built up for correction, trying to help people. But my thing is, why do we go to church? Is it for knowledge and for information or is it for understanding and application? Because I want understanding from the Holy Spirit. And I want application on how to live my life unto the Lord. So if I was going to ask you this, then if we were going to ask God, then Lord, why do we go to church? It makes me think about this guy in the Bible. You've probably heard of him. Maybe. Maybe not. But he used to be regarded as the wisest person who ever lived. Okay? Now, if you know this individual's name, just tell me his name. What's his name? Solomon, he is revered as to being the, the wisest person who ever lived. That's based on scripture. And I think if you were to look at what he did, uh, you would see a lot of that. But he also had some pretty big mistakes too. A lot of, lot of mistakes actually. <laughs> 714 of them I believe is what, those are concubines. Okay. He wasn't supposed to do all this stuff. He achieved himself chariots and all these things the Lord told him not to. He also did a lot of things the Lord told him not to do. But what did Solomon ask for? He asked for what? Wisdom. He could have asked for money. I mean, all the money he wanted. He asked for wisdom. But here's a question. Why do you think Solomon asked God for wisdom? And so I want to read this first scripture, and I want to show you the reason. of what, why, what's happened? why do we go to church? I, I think this will re- reveal it to you right here. Okay? So 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5. We're going to go to a story where Solomon is asking for wisdom. So let's read this. <clears throat> in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God said... Ask what you wish me to give you. Then Solomon said, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness, that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is to this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Solomon is David's son. Yet... Now, he's not referring to, he's an adult, but he says, yet I am but a little child. Now, this is why it's important why I'm reading to you from New American Standard, because it doesn't say this in New Living. I do not know how to go out or to come in. I don't know how to go out, and I don't know how to come in. I think in the New Living or other thought for thoughts, it says, I don't know how to get around. Well, when you say, I don't know how to get around, that sounds a whole lot different than you saying, I don't know how to go out and to come in. Now, Solomon lived in a palace. David, uh, Solomon's building this, you know, massive thing. David didn't get to build everything, but Solomon certainly did. And as he's there, here's one of the interesting things you think about. I don't know how to go out and come in. What, you know, I mean, I don't mean it to be rude or anything, but you almost think like, was he texting or on a game the whole time he's riding around with his father around town? Is he lost? What does he mean he can't go in and out? Doesn't know how to get around the palace? Doesn't know how to get around town? Is he lost in the city? You know, needs GPS? I mean, what, when you read that, what do you think? I think of a guy, look, this is definitely has to mean more than just being able to find your way around church. And so this is said a couple of different times. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you, okay? Numbers 27, verse 15. We'll put this on the screen for you as well. This is Moses, okay? Moses spoken to the Lord and saying, May the Lord, the God of all the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation. Who watched this? Verse 17. Will what? Go out and come in before them and who will lead them watch out and bring them 
And we're going to do a little more participation in this, y'all. I know it's raining like, I don't know where cats and dogs came from, but we're going to be a little more participatory today than this, all right? Thank you very much. <clears throat> he's going to lead them what? Out, and then he's going to bring them in. All right, great. So that the congregation of the Lord will not be, watch this, like sheep which have no shepherd. So not only did Solomon say, I don't know how to go out and in. Moses said, I used to go out and in, and I need to be able to have somebody that leads these people out and back in. Otherwise, they're going to be like sheep without a shepherd. Now, who does that sound like to you? Jesus said they are like sheep without a shepherd in Israel because they've rejected him and other reasons. But he says he was, he was, he was concerned because they were being scattered. And they were as if sheep without a shepherd. Now, if you've ever watched livestock, if I didn't freak you out about cattle, they do the same thing with sheep too, okay? If you ever eat leg of lamb, you think, well, this is so good. That's not some like, you know, hybrid metaverse created thing. That's a real living animal. They killed that thing and you ate it, okay? The lamb though, when they do it, lamb or sheep, if you will, if they're not in a cluster, like with somebody watching over them, they're in big trouble. If you've never watched, they, they run into stuff that their wool gets all over their eyes. <laughs> like they can't see, they have to be sheared. Like sheep aren't the brightest of all the creation that God had created. He chose the sheep to represent us. And they might be the lowest intelligent life form out of all the herds on the planet. I'm just telling you, the cattle would look at sheep and go, well, I ain't too smart. (laughs) And we're referred to as sheep. And he says, if we don't know how to go out and come in, we're like sheep without a shepherd. So Moses asked, or the Lord picked Joshua. Listen to this in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 1. I'm just going to read a couple I'll put on the screen for you. Just mark these down, okay? We'll go back to that in just a moment. It says, So Moses went and he spoke these words to all of Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old today. And watch, he says, Now, because I'm 120, I am no longer able to go out and to come back in. Or able to go to come and to go. It's the same word. And the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross this Jordan. So he asked for his replacement, and that's what he did. And so you got Joshua. Let me read another one to you. I'm just reading a couple, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? You remember Caleb. So there was Joshua and Caleb. Out of all the spies out of the spy of the land, there was Joshua and Caleb. Ten of them brought back an evil report or an unfaithful report. They were in fear. We can't do it. We're scared. We're so little in their eyes. We're like, you know, they're like grass. We're just these little peons of people. You know, they're so big, and they're giants. No one ever called them giants. That's what they said. But Joshua and Caleb, the only two out of the group, says, hey, hey, hey. Time out. I mean, wouldn't you just love for them to be given the halftime speech in your team when you're down by seven? Oh, we're just not able to do it. Man, I would kick them out the door. I would fire them. I would kick them off my team. I would head them out the stadium. The last thing you need if you're losing is a bunch of whining and complaining. We just don't know if we... I'd put the water boys in before I'd play them guys. You can't never going to win if somebody's going, well, I just don't know if we can do it. That is the weakest thing I've ever heard in my life. If the Lord be with you, then you are able to do great and mighty things. If the Lord be with you. Whoever said anything about what we can do in our own strength, it either God is for us and he's not against us or he's not with us. But you can't walk around going like, well, I just, I just don't think we can do it. Jesus never said anything about what you could do. He always said what he could do through you. So Joshua and Caleb said, hey, we can do this. We are more than able to take the land. And they started giving a resume. They start going throwing back, man, when I was this and when I did this and I did this and, I, and they were giving their resume. You remember how it was, guys, when back when you was a young adult, maybe? How about that? A little bigger, a little greater than you once was kind of thing. Like, oh, man, I used to and you ain't used to it anymore. That's these guys. They were throwing it down like I did this, I did, except they could still do it. And these guys were older at the time. Time goes on. Caleb is in this, and this is 45 years. Understand, they've been in this wilderness for 40 plus years now because of that bad report. In Joshua 14 11, this is what he says. Uh, this is Caleb speaking. When they talk about going and taking over the land, he said in verse 11, I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. In other words, he's still reminding, hey, you remember those guys that cost us everything? I'm still a bad mamma jamma as I was back then. And he said, look, man, in the day of Moses, when he sent me, as my strength was then, so it is now. Watch this. For war and for going out and for coming in. Caleb was saying, I can still go out and I can come in. Send me. So these phrases is all over. And there's many, many phrases of this in the Bible. You go Old Testament, New Testament. It's it's in a lot of places. If you use a Bible that has 
um, the, the, this, the, the, the dynamic equivalency translation. If you use the thought, you're probably not going to see it. But it's in King James, the New King James, New American Standard, ESV. A lot of these translations, you'll see this, going out and coming in, going out and coming in. So when you think about this, <clears throat> what coming in and going out refer to in the Bible, you'll see this over and over again. It refers to worship and war, worship and war. And before I get this too deep, this is where a lot of times people who, that don't like Christianity, they say things like this. Oh, well, why would God do such a terrible thing like cause war? Why would he fight these people? Why would he go after these areas? Why would he attack these people if he was such a loving God? And they don't understand God. God is a loving God, but I'm going to tell you, you line up any parent in here that has children. And they'll love you 100% until you mess with their babies. You mess with their babies, there's a different kind of love that stands up. A lot of people don't think that's love. Mess with my kids. I will love you as I beat the living daylights out of you. I don't care. I'm just, I don't care. I, I'm so tired of this weak, need, sissified people that talk. We just got to love everybody. No, I don't. I'll love you, but you mess with my family. I'll love you in a different way. Because love also protects. It don't just say, you're just a good little person, aren't you? You mess with my kids? I don't think that. And then a person in here that wouldn't do the same thing. Now, we probably wouldn't tweet it. God forbid you put it on the social media post. But, but oh, here comes the trolls. Ah, how dare you say such a thing? I said it and I ain't taking it back. Mess with my kids. I will beat the daylights out of somebody. <gasps> Can't believe you'd say that. You're just thinking the same thing I'm saying. I'm just the guy with a microphone. That's all it is to it. That's why you grinning and sit in your seat all awkward like, I can't believe you said it, but I wish you'd say it again. It's kind of funny. <laughs> but here's the funny thing. So many times after a great victory, we go out, and I'm talking spiritual now because people look in the Bible and think war. There is a war in the Bible in the Old Testament many times. But let me ask you a question. Aren't you in a war right now? If you don't think you're in a war, you're mistaken. You're in a spiritual war. But in the Bible, they went out and David was one of the greatest warriors of all time, was he not? I mean, so they said about David, the girls had come out. They were like, whoo, that's David. Whoo, they look at him and say, David's killed his thousands and Saul's killed his hundreds. And they would sing and chant, like, ah. they fall down, pass out, like it was Elvis walking through, you know, kind of thing. David's like, whoo, he's just a man. He was a warrior. Is there any doubt about that? Watch this, though. David was also what? A worshiper. This guy would worship so strong. Watch this. That Saul, who didn't even like David, was jealous of David, envious of David, called David because he could play the guitar so well. David rolled up into the house. Saul's like tormented by evil spirits. I can't take it. My mind's going crazy. I can't take it. I can't take it. David, will you play and sing and worship? David started playing. No, I mean, they didn't have, a, I know they don't have, a, this is. he starts singing worship and praise to the Lord. Maybe it was back then. I don't know his Lord. I lift your name on high. I don't know what he was singing. But when David began, the evil spirit left. Because David was a worshiper. He didn't just know how to war. He also knew how to worship. And so when you think about this, um, why is this so significant? Because why do we go to church? Well, are you in a battle Monday through Saturday? I don't know about you, but I come to church on Sunday, but I have a battle too. When it comes Monday through Saturday, I got stuff that come at me. Comes at me all week. All week long. And it's not like I ask it to. I don't, I don't ask for problems. I don't ask for trouble. It just kind of shows up at my door sometimes. I don't know about you. But here's the funny thing. In the Old Testament, first thing, do you know what the first thing they did after a great battle and a great victory? Do you know that they did not go home? They did not go pack up their, you know, equipment and this kind of, and start cleaning their, 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 um, their war instruments or anything. The first thing they did, do you know where they stopped? It was the temple. And they came back and they came to worship God who gave them a great victory. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. If we're talking about how the great struggles and things that people had, think about the last two years. If you've had any kind of battle the last two years, I don't know, let's just name a few. COVID, political crazy people, racial tension, financial issues, inflation, marriage, kids, stress, mental anguish, whatever you want to call the thing. Anybody had anything like that happen in their life in the last couple of years? I don't know. Raise your hand. Like, anybody? Those are all called battles, my friend. 
And I'm going to tell you what, you can get battle weary. You can get tired of the fight. Where in the Bible, in the scriptures, they talked about where they, they fought so long, they had to basically tie the swords to their hands to continue on. You can get battle weary. So when you say, why do we come in or why do we go to church? Think about this. Why do you come in? You come in because it refers to worship. You come out from the battle and you come into the house of God to do what? To worship God. Why do we worship God? Well, you need time with the Lord. Whether it's devotions or prayer life, you need your church, whatever you call it. But David said this about, this is David, the greatest warrior probably in the Bible of all time. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, Psalm 120, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He didn't say, well, it's Sunday again. Guess we got to go to church, don't we? And the rest of the family said, well, I guess we have to. We can just kind of go eat at IHOP if you want to. We don't need church. David said, I was glad. He wasn't looking on Sunday either. He was like, they got the church open on a Friday? Okay, let's go. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because David was a worshiper. Because so coming in refers to worship. And going out refers to war. And I'm telling you, out there, you're in a spiritual battle. Plain and simple, you're in a spiritual battle. And in here, though, we come in here to worship. And we come in for the presence of God so we can go out with the presence of God. And I'm telling you, worshiping just about singing. It's not about just playing instruments. It's not about watching people play instruments. It's about, I'm going to turn my heart now to you, Lord, and I'm going to do my best right now to lay aside all that war that's going on out there. And I just want to worship you right now. And it might take a song, and it might take two songs, and it might take three before you finally are able to stop for a minute and say, Oh, my Lord, thank you for your peace. Man, God, you're right. Your name does, it says it all. No matter what I'm facing right now. And in that moment, you're able to stop and receive from him during worship. Now, I want to think about this before I go forward. So in the Old Testament, when you see war, it's obviously physically brutal war. And I know so many people who are unbelievable, they say, it's just how can a loving God do such a thing? All right. He's a loving God. He gave them all time to repent. If we were to take the time, and I don't have the time to do this this morning. If we were to read all of the stories of war in the Old Testament, it was not an unfair thing that the Lord did. It wasn't an unfair thing that God instituted. It wasn't an unfair thing that when he sent out his, his, his nation to go fight in these battles, it was not unfair. It wasn't like he just went out and waged war upon these people and never gave them any update of what's coming along. In Genesis, how many times was Sodom and Gomorrah given a chance? Abraham negotiated even with the Lord down to 10 people. He could, I guess he should have went further down the line. I mean, you just assume in a nation that was, you know, a couple of maybe, I don't know, 50, 60,000 people. I don't know how many people might have been there in this region. You just assume there's probably 10 there that love the Lord. Well, he was wrong. Did they have time to repent? Of course they did. They got Lot out. And Lot, he was so consumed by that culture, he couldn't, it was hard for him to get away. He didn't want to let it go. And his wife, if you've read the story, you understand his wife was so attached to that culture, she turned back. You know, as the story says, she turned into a pillar of salt. If you go to that region today, it's in the region, you know, I believe where the Dead Sea is. If you go look at it today, the place is just, a, there's, there's nothing there. Dead Sea, that's it. There's nothing grows there. Of the Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about Joseph. Joseph was sitting as a witness to the people of Egypt and to the whole world at that time. God forecast, prophetically gave a word to the people. They didn't believe Joseph. They didn't like Joseph. Until it was time, they couldn't figure it out on their own. Now all of a sudden they called, oh, well, all the Christians pray because our country's a mess. And that's eventually what will happen. They don't care nothing about you right now because you don't have the answer. We'll just print more money. We'll fix it. You know, we'll just keep drilling for more oil. We'll fix it. Until something goes south and they can't print more and they can't drill more and they can't do more and they're just on their knees going like, what do we do? Well, we don't know because we haven't read a Bible in like 400 years. So we don't know anything to do. So what do they do? They'll start calling church houses and asking like, uh, what, what, what do we do? Well, prayer would be a good thing. Prayer? Yes. You're the president. You can stand up and declare a national day today of prayer. 
You can do that. I can do that. Yes, sir. You can do that. Okay, I'll do that. And all of a sudden, all because the people in authority do that, the culture shifts. But as long as the people in authority that don't want the culture to shift, the culture around you is going to be as it is. You're going to have to realize you're in a spiritual war. But they had plenty of time to repent. Joseph actually saved the world through feeding program. They all turned to the God of Israel. Do you understand this? Egypt worshipped the God of Israel. To the point of so much so that Joseph was in all authority except for Pharaoh. He ruled the nation. They all worshipped Israel. They don't tell you about this in the hieroglyphics of the Egyptian pyramids and everything else. But I'm telling you, they have the information that is there. They worship the God of Israel. In so much when Moses at the Exodus left, do you understand that your Bible says this? That there was a ragtag bunch of Egyptians that went with Moses. Because they had been serving God and their family for generations and they went with them. Because they believed more in the God of Israel than the Pharaoh that came up after Joseph died who did no longer have regard for God. You understand what I'm saying right now? They had time to repent. Pharaoh had ten different tests, ten different plagues to turn from this, but he refused to do so. Okay, I've told you once to leave my kids alone. I told you twice. To leave my kids alone. I've told you three times. Now, how many, y'all, how, how many times y'all giving people? You must my kids at once, all you get. I'm just telling you, one, I will flat out. That mama bear thing, that might be true, and I've seen some of y'all, and I've seen Haley a little bit, but I'm telling you, like, you mess my baby girl's daddy goes, all I see is red. I will. Don't mess with my kids. The Lord gave 10 different chances. And finally he said, I can see now you will not repent, you will not turn, and you will not change. Therefore, to protect my children, I must do this. But see, people in the world, they say, oh, it's so evil, so awful. Yeah, that's just because that's what they want to say. Over and over and over again, you see this all throughout the Bible, where they had plenty of times to repent. When Joshua went to the area of Jericho, they went to fight in that city. Remember what happened in there? They went on a spot land. There was a lady named Rahab. She repented and said, what? We know you're coming, and we're all scared. When you get here, just remember me. They said, okay, tie a red cord out the window. We got you. She left with them. She's in Hebrews as a lineage of the hall of faith of what we call in Hebrews. She repented her whole family. It's all about repentance. Is it sad? Yeah, it's sad when you see stuff in the Bible, people didn't repent. But those who did, the Lord had mercy on them. He went with, they went with them every single time. This is why the Lord is fair and just in what he says and declares to us about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, has come to this earth, made himself known. He was dead, buried, and resurrected after three days. The whole world knows it. No one has it. Just to deny it is to deny the truth. Therefore, he says, choose this day. Today's the day of salvation. Which one are you going to choose? You want to choose to follow God, go into the land of promise, or you don't refuse and rebel and be annihilated? Because it's up to you. It is your choice. That is a fair thing that God did, and it is a just thing. It's just. But all throughout the Bible, over and over again, these people had time to repent, and they could have repented. So anyway, David is a worshiper and a warrior, and we are called to be warriors and worshipers. Y'all understand what I'm saying right now? All right, so let me just uh, wrap up with a couple of thoughts on some of these things, okay? If we're called to war and to worship, <clears throat> I want you to listen to this in 1 Samuel <clears throat> verse eight, chapter 18, verse 12. And I want you to think about this when the Lord is with you. Because he's not just with you in church. He's with you in the city as well when you got to battle. 1 Samuel 18, verse 12 says, Now Saul was afraid of David, for the Lord was what? He was with him. How many know the Lord's with you? He's with you right now. You might be thinking, that's because I'm in church. No, it's not just because you're in church. He's with you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. It says that, but the Lord had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul, or I'm sorry, uh, the Lord's with David, but had departed from Saul. Verse 13, therefore Saul removed him from his presence and appointed him as a commander of a thousand. And he went, there's where that thousand, in case you're wondering. Okay, anyway. Those people are cheering for David. That's why he's a commander of his thousands. Anyway, so he went out and he came in before the people and David was prospering in all his ways for the Lord was with him. But David went out and he came in even when a guy over him didn't like him. That tells me you can come out, you can go in even when people above you 
have no regard for you. If the Lord's with you, it's all right. It's okay. But let me just say something real quick. The Lord's not with you just here on Sunday morning. He is with, when you leave here today, he's with you. When we were doing kids' church, Haley, this is hilarious, man. We were kids' pastors starting out. These little kids, they'd come to church every Sunday morning. And, you know, I mean, you see it all, man. When kids are there, and this is no reflection on you as a parent. Just understand this, okay? If you're a kid's pastor, this is no reflection on you as a parent. Now, <clears throat> I'm telling you, when we get older, now, if my kid ever smarts off to you or says something rude to you, you better tell me. Because I will flat out, we will deal with some stuff. Because at that point, we're past, you know, boogers and snot coming out their noses. You understand what I'm saying? That, that two years of age, that's not a reflection on you. That's just a two-year-old, Okay. I'll leave it there. <laughs> that's just a t- if they wipe their nose or they don't, that's not a reflection of you, okay? That's, that's just a two-year-old. If a Cheerio falls on the floor and when a kid picked it up, didn't like, put it back on the floor, and before the teacher can get there, another kid picks it up and eats it. That's no reflection on you. That's just a two-year-old says, that's a Cheerio, man. <laughs> I'm getting that. That's no reflection on a parent, okay? But we, we were, we were kids pastors and we were watching these little kids and they thought as they got a little bit older, like these little, like four and five year old age, and they're old enough to know a little more than, than just Cheerios. And they're learning stories about the Bible, they're learning about David and Goliath, and they're learning about all these different things. And these little kids, they thought that Haley and I lived at the church over there, in that building over there. And so when they came to church, they saw us at the church, and when they left, they just saw us at the church, because we have to, you know, there's a lot. When you leave, if you don't, you know, if you have never served in kids, there is a lot to, uh, when you're done, there's pack up, clean up, there's a lot of sanitization, trash, it's a lot. You guys need to really, when you go pick up your kids today, you really need to thank the people who serve your children and preach the gospel to them every week. Because it's, it is more than just, it is not just reading a Bible study to them. They, they are doing a lot of volunteering and serving Jesus, but still, they serve your kids. So thank them when you go over there, okay? But they thought, these little kids, they thought we lived there. And finally, we told one of them, they're like, you know, they ask a question, when do you, uh, when do you turn the lights off or something? I can't remember. But we're like, we don't live here. When we said that, it was like, you might as well have said Mickey Mouse was not real and there was someone in the suit. Like, they looked at us like, what? You don't live at the church? I'm like, no, we don't live at the church. We have a house. We go home. You don't live at the church? No. I mean, it was rocking their little four-year-old mind. So we had to backtrack a little bit and say, look, but we'll be here when you come back. Don't worry. We'll still be here when you come here. And a lot of times, it bothers me because I think as Christians, we might feel like that Jesus is here only when we come. And that when we leave, he stays here. And he's not going with you. And that's not true. He's with you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. That's important enough. You don't get anything else today. He is with you. He's with you right now in your dealings. He's with you in your marriage. He's with you with your children, on your job, your businesses. Whatever you're dealing with, it's a, it's a war for you right now. He's with you in the midst of your battle. He hasn't left you. And that's important to know. But so when Solomon asked for this wisdom, why would he say what he said? Well, let's look at 2 Samuel 11, okay? <clears throat> I'm sorry, when you go, there, I'm going to click over there and finish up with... Uh, First uh, Samuel 18. So it says, when David was prospering all his ways, the Lord was with him. I just want to say this one thing as you go to Second uh, Samuel 11. The Lord was prospering David. Saul did not like David. You understand. But the Lord was prospering David. If we can just keep this attitude of worship and fighting, not against each other, fighting against the spiritual battles that are coming at you, that's your war. But don't forget to worship. It's easy to fight, isn't it? I mean, if you're out there, you're fighting people. It ain't easy to fight. I mean, something comes at you, we're well, ready to fight, aren't you? I mean, it's just a natural reaction. If you hit me, I'm going to be like, whoa, man. Don't, why'd you do that? Like, I might get you one. I mean, you might get one in, but after that, I'm like, I ain't going to sit there and let you just keep hitting me. So let me ask you a question. Naturally, you respond to fighting. It is not natural for you to come in and to worship, though. Naturally speaking, you will want to keep fighting out there, fighting, 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 but you have got to come in and worship and fill up the tank again before you go out there. Now Solomon asked for this wisdom, but why? Let's read it. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1. 
So then it happened in the springtime. Now, pay attention. Someone put these on the screen uh, so you can see because it reads a little different. Uh, but anyway, then it happened in the spring at the time when kings do what? They go out to battle. All right, we're going to participate, okay? That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But watch what David did. David stayed at Jerusalem. And now when evening came, David arose from his bed. He walked out around the roof. Maybe he had a mimosa. I don't know what he's doing. He's just walking around, you know, chilling. Got some pancakes, mimosas, just chilling. And from the roof, he eyes a good-looking thing that he should not have been eyeing. And it was Bathsheba. And, you know, if you've not read the story, David killed his, not just one of his leaders, his friend who was the leader of a regiment who was married to this woman so he could have her. It was awful. It was the most disgusting thing you ever read about. More than, well, there's other stuff in there too, but that's pretty bad. To kill your best friend for his girl. But he did it. Yet David's called in your Bible a warrior and a worshiper. Now, what went wrong? Well, let me just show you. The first part of the scripture again, verse 1. It had, this happened in the spring of the time when what? Kings go out. He should have been out there on the battlefield where he belonged. And so here's the thing I want you to think about today is this. What happens when Christians never go out to the battlefield? They become inwardly focused and they get consumed on things they shouldn't become consumed on. What happens though when all people do is go out to the battlefield? They never turn to God. And they never go and have worship or time with the Lord. So they become very jaded. Because look at what we're doing and y'all aren't doing anything. It's that whole Mary Martha scenario that goes on, right? It wasn't that there was like this one's bad, one's better. It was they were a team. Not wrong. Mary and Martha, they worked together. But when you look at each other and say, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's not, no, 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 no. It's what am I doing? Why do we go to church? We're supposed to go out and to come in. So when we think about this, I'm going to read you a parable now in Luke 14 by going out and coming in. If you go out and fight and fight and fight in the battles, you go out and minister, 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 you go out and reach and reach. Let me just say as a pastor, I know this to be true. All right, this is not something I'm unaware. I know what I'm talking about when I come to this, and that's not arrogant. I'm just telling you the facts. If you give out and give out and give out, and eventually that bucket runs dry. And when that bucket runs dry, uh, crazy things begin to go in your mind. The enemy will tell you, well, what are you doing? You're not good enough. You don't have it. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. He'll, t- he'll lie to you about everything, and it's not for pastors, for anything you do. You go out long enough, eventually your bucket's going to get dry, and eventually the enemy's going to lie to you, and you're going to believe it. Consequently, the other side of that, if all you do is fill up your bucket, fill up your bucket, fill up your bucket, you leave a mess for everybody to have to clean up. We just have to clean well, you know, you could go out there and give some of that away. Give some of that away. Give some of that away. No, I just want to be filled with the Lord. <laughs> well, your feeling is making a mess for everybody. We got to mop up after you. Come on. Eventually you'll say, hey, let's, let's get you out outside somewhere where you can give some of that to other people. Do y'all see what I mean? You, you need both. So in this parable in Luke 14, I'm going to close with this, this parable today. Luke 14, Jesus is having a conversation with the people around him about this very thing, about going out and coming in, going out and coming in. So in Luke 14, verse 16, Jesus replied with this story. He said, a man prepared a great feast and he sent out many invitations, many invitations. Now, culture has changed so much, but y'all know this to be true. Um, If you send an invitation out today, that does not mean anything. Is that not true? You can put RSVP, RSVP, please, RSVP, purdy, please. Purdy is Georgia for pretty. All right. You can put all that on the thing you want to. Is it not true? You better follow up with them. And if you want me to go, you better not send it to me through Facebook because I won't get it. Facebook invitations. That's fine if you want to do it. But I'm just saying there's a world of us who do not check for Facebook invitations. Just honest. Because if I get on there, some troll will say something stupid and I'll get mad. So I don't get on it. Okay, that's me. Maybe not you, whatever. That's me. But invitations are interesting. This guy sent out a lot of invitations. Their culture, they would have responded. And so when the banquet was ready, verse 17, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, for the banquet is ready. 
So he's saying, come in. But verse 18, watch. But they all began making excuses. Now listen to these excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Verse 21, the servant returned and told his master what they had all said. Because he sent out the invitations, now he's doing a follow-up and checking up, can you come? So his master was furious, and he said, all right, go quickly into the streets, into the alleys, into the town, invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he said, there is still room for more. So his master said, you go out into the country lanes behind the hedges, and you urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Now, can I just say a couple of things here before you go home today? Number one, before we read this, he's telling them, I want you to come in to my banquet I prepared. And then he's saying to another group, because they won't come in, I want you to go out and get some more. Now, I'm going to say a couple of things that may sound rude, but I'm going to say it anyway. Y'all with me? Okay, y'all, that was only two people. I really needed more people with me than that. Are y'all with me? Okay. They all begin making excuses. They have been invited to the greatest banquet eternity has ever seen, and they all begin to make excuses. They said things like, I just bought a field and I got to go test it out, or I got to go inspect it. Funny thing about this, if you, the banquet would have been at night. In their culture, this would have been a dinner nighttime banquet candles lights dancing and this is no just any time kind of banquet this is like brother you come in a nice suit this is not optional it is formal attire you're coming in with your capris on or whatever you got a tuxedo maybe in a tie you looking good you're looking real good and your wife is gonna be like yes we're going to that that party they're paying for it yeah we're going let's go it's a date night yes but this guy says i bought a field and i gotta check it out at night That's about the dumbest excuse you ever heard in your life. One guy says, I just bought five pair of oxen. That's 10 total. And I need to go try them out. That's like you buying 10 cars from Carvana at the middle of the night and saying, I got to go check them all out. Who does that? No one's doing that. You buy no 10 cars in the middle of the night and I got to go check them out. Now, this one's the best one of all. And there might be a little truth to this. I don't know. I just got married and I can't go. I don't know if that might have been a little truth to that. But let's just be honest. Y'all know as well as I do. When we were newlyweds, we didn't have much to eat. I mean, we did. We ate. Don't get me wrong. We weren't like, you know, starving. But it wasn't like we were going out to Ruth Chris's on the weekend. You know what I'm saying? We, we weren't enjoying. There was a few times we went to Emeralds when we stayed up a long time. And we go eat in Atlanta at a nice place. But m- let's just be honest. If you're a newlywed, you usually are not eating out really expensive every weekend. More than likely... This guy should not have answered for her anyway. When he said, "Weak, I can't come, he might have should have asked her because I got a feeling if he'd have told his newlywed wife, it was a really nice party where you're going to dress up, get a great meal. It's going to be like Ruth Chris, super nice and fancy kind of thing or whatever you go to, I don't know, Chops in Atlanta. Whatever you do, you're going to dress up really nice. She probably would have said, oh, we're going. <laughs> we're going, Jack. But he said, I can't go. It's kind of silly when you think about this, the excuses that they made. So the master or the the owner of the banquet said, I'm tired of hearing the excuses. Go get some more. Tired of hearing excuses. Go out and go get some more so that my house might be filled. Now, in case you hadn't read the parallel between this, and so as I don't sound too rude, um, I'm tired of hearing excuses too. Tired of hearing excuses from Christians about why this is tough and this is hard to come to church. Now, I know you may, I know it's raining, there's some people doing, but I get it because it's flooding. I understand that. I understand we all have things to do. Sometimes you don't make it. I get it, whatever. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about like, uh, well, I can't come because I just bought a new car. Well, I just can't come because, you know, I just got married. I can't come because, well, you know, <clears throat> I bought some land, I didn't go walk it out. That, that's ridiculous. Well, I think the Lord's tired of hearing ridiculous excuses. And I think what he's saying to all of us that are here is saying, stop listening to the excuses and go out and find people who want to be a part of the banquet. Do you understand the parallel I'm giving you here? You have friends who really want to know Christ. 
they would love to be invited to a banquet. But you're being told by so many people, nobody wants to do church anymore. It's not true. There are some people who really want to. may not be the circle you're running with right now. He said, go out and find people who are poor, crippled, blind, and lame. That may not be your, the group you run with. I don't know. But I can tell you this much is true. If I've heard enough excuses, I know the Lord's fed up with it. So he's like, oh, I can't believe you'd say that. He said it. I didn't. I didn't. Just so we're clear, um, you want to put that back up there? I did not say this. This is the Lord that said this. But I can just tell you this much. When he says urge anyone you can find to come, that word urge means this. It means to go out and compel them to come in. It means do whatever's necessary. It's actually a funny thing. Don't do this, okay? Please don't do this when I'm about to tell you. But the word urge means in this language, compelling, it means you physically, you would put their arm behind their back and you would compel them to move. Don't do that. Please, if Sunday morning I come in, I see you with somebody like, like this coming to church. What are you doing? You said compel them. No, I did not say do that. We're not that kind of church, okay? This is a free to come, free to go thing, all right? Please don't do that. But I just want you to hear the impact. It literally means, it, it means don't stop with somebody when you invite them and say, hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus. If you don't feel comfortable with that, if you feel like, oh, I can't do that, how would I do? You can invite them to church. You can do that. Invite them to your banquet. Okay, what if they say no? They might, but chances are they might not. If you invite them, they might say, well, what time? Oh, man, that's early. You could be like, well, it used to be earlier, so it's a little easier now, actually. So, you know, you could do that, cut up with them a little bit. I'm telling you, if you talk to them, more than likely they'll come. And is it possible, next to this this morning, is it possible that the reason we are where we're at today is because for so many years we spent too much time in instead of going out? And is it possible that we filled our buckets up so much that for we forgot what it was like to go out and compel people to come back to the Lord? When I was a kid, it was an interesting time. It was an 80s kind of deal. So uh, my kids, it's so funny, my kids, my, my middle one asked me the other day, she goes, Dad, um, she said, is, is it true like so the 90s were better? And I said, what do you mean? She's like, so the 90s, were they better? And I was like, like I mean, it was better music for sure. Because the 80s is even better than the 90s. So I mean, like, she said, no, I mean, like, was there as many problems as there are today? I was like, oh, baby. Yes, we were just as jacked up as this whole time period now. And if you went back earlier, it was just as jacked up then. It's always been jacked up. There's always been sin running crazy. It's just it, you have so much in front of you now that you see that's a little different, but it's always been there. And she said, well, I always thought it would be better if you lived in the 90s. I'm like, Not necessarily. I mean, you know, I told her it's kind of funny, though. I told her the other day, I was like, you know, y'all run out the door with Eugene's tight rolled like we did that. Like, so, we, but we don't do that anymore, but y'all are doing it. It's like, it's so funny. Y'all got little holes in your jeans. We used to do that too. And our parents, they used to tell us all the time, you can't go out, them holes in your pants, that looks awful. That's a, and we did it, and now when they do it, we go like, I can't believe you're going out the door looking like that. Well, we did the same thing. Isn't it funny how we think like, oh, it's so different. It's not that different. And we shouldn't paint a picture to our kids or to our grandkids that it's so stinking bad that they wish they lived in a different generation. That's ridiculous. Stop it. Stop doing that. Joshua and Caleb lived in one of the greatest generations ever, and they had the strength and the might to overcome. We ought to tell them, you know what? It looks bad, but it's always been bad. And you can do anything God leads you to do, honey. I'm not going to tell my kids, oh, it's just the end of America. I don't care. If it does go down the toilet and it's flushed twice, I don't care. Since when did we base our faith on the red, white, and blue? I'm tired of hearing this. What are we going to do? I'm telling you what we're going to do. If we're Christians, we're going to keep praying. We're going to keep worshiping. We're going to keep singing and worshiping, studying about God. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, but what if, what if? I'm tired of the what ifs. Jesus never told us to consider what if. He said tomorrow's enough trouble for itself. Enjoy today, man. I'm not going to put that burden on my children like, oh, it's just the end. It's not the end. And if it is, woohoo! Jesus comes back, baby. I'm in glory. Yeah, baby. I'm excited about that. I don't know about you. But I ain't going to let them be in fear about it. 
Well, what if the Lord comes back? Dad, if he does, baby, it's going to be the greatest like rock concert you've ever seen in your life. Lights will be flashing. Smoke will be everywhere. And I know it's a cloud of glory, but I'm putting it in perspective. It's going to be cloud. Okay, it's going to be smoke and lights and all kind of crazy crowds, man. It's going to be awesome. People on drugs will look at me like, whoa, man, this is a trip. It's not a trip. It's real. And they're all going to turn to Christ and people are going to, I mean, I don't, whatever. But we should not put this burden on our kids. Let's do our part. Let's just come in and worship. Let's go out and reach people for Christ and compel them to come to him. Let's do that and quit worrying about what America is doing and what it's not doing. So then how do I do that, Pastor Jody? Where do I start? I'm going to tell you right now. And I'm going to let you go. So last week we had a volunteer card. If you didn't get a chance to do this, this little volunteer card is in your seat, in your seat back. If you're saying, I don't know how to go out. Well, that's a good question right now, isn't it? I don't know how to go out. Like, Pastor, I don't know how, how do you witness to people. Well, I just talk to them. I mean, I was in Scotland and I prayed with a guy that they had been talking to for the last six months. I don't know, three months or whatever. No one had talked to him yet. Because it was kind of like, well, I mean, they talked to him, but he said he was kind of like, believes everything. I don't know why I did this. He and I just started having a conversation. His last name, I won't tell you, but he and I have the last surname. So our heritage somehow, I don't know how all this stuff works. I'm not, you know, up on all my history of Scotland and Scottish and Irish or whatever else. But somehow or another, we have a surname that's the same. So we had this conversation and I found a common ground. See, I don't try and give people the Bible the first time I talk to them. I find something we can talk about. If they like to fish, I'm like, hey, that's cool, man. What do you like to fish? What kind of fish? You like bass fishing? I'm like, man, dude. I did it with my father-in-law one time. Man, I about melted out there on that lake. It's so hot. And didn't catch anything. But I went fly fishing. I love that. And we talk about and this. You like hunting? Man, I was hunting one time. I went to the deer stand four hours and never saw anything. Didn't see a squirrel. Didn't see a rat. Nothing I could shoot. It was 20 degrees outside. I never went back to that tree stand. How do you do that? I'm, that's me. You, maybe you can't do that. Like, oh my goodness. I could never do that. Well, I talked to this guy. We're in the middle of his cafe. I just said, hey man, before we leave, I said, I may never see you again. I may never ever see you again. I hope I do. I want to come back. But if I don't, I said, would you mind if I prayed with you before I go? He kind of looked at me and goes, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I said, all right, brother, let me pray for you right now. So I just laid my hand on his back, prayed over him, his wife, his kids. And after I was done, I talked to him. I said, hey, man, listen, <clears throat> I'm praying that the Lord would bless your businesses, that you do a great, mighty work in your life. And he looks at me and goes, like, thank you. He just kind of like was, I think a little bit kind of like, Americans, <laughs> just what are you crazy? What's wrong with you, man? But <clears throat> the funny thing is, when I talked to some of my friends, he said, "You prayed for him?" Yeah, I thought, "Oh, do I was not supposed to?" First, I thought, "Man, you know," because sometimes, sometimes that's the way it is. You know, you're working with people, and sometimes, you know, you've had previous conversations. I thought, "Man, I've just messed something up." He said, "No, he let you. He let you pray for him." I said, "Yeah, I guess I really didn't." I mean, I asked, but I really didn't give a chance for him to say no. I kind of moved in. And like, he said, man, that is so awesome. We've been praying for him for so long. And so my prayer is that he and his whole house will convert to Christ completely. But it's kind of second nature. I mean, I don't think about it the way that I used to. I used to be scared to talk to people about Christ. I don't feel that way now. But maybe you're in that place where you don't feel comfortable doing that. Where do I start? Can I encourage you? You start right here. If you want to start reaching people for Christ and begin the process, start in this house where people come in for worship. Maybe you minister to kids. Maybe you help open doors. Maybe you're like some of the guys who said, man, listen, <clears throat> I work with my hands. <clears throat> and I want to help fix some stuff here. We got some different maintenance things. We got a list of stuff we got to fix. <clears throat> And <clears throat> excuse me. And so maybe you're like an artisan. You like to, you know, art and design. Maybe you're a, a craftsman. You like to build stuff. Maybe you're like landscaping. Maybe you like to fix things. If that's you, just you know, you check off a box there and put your name and information on it, so we can contact you. We already got a lot of you guys did. We're going to contact you, but we're just trying to compile data first before we move forward. 
start here, be developed, be trained in something, and then we'll help you be able to go out and pray with people and come back in and worship. Go out, speak to somebody about Christ, come back, go out. Do y'all see the repetition? I'm to go out and come back in. When I get my car worked on, I don't just talk to my mechanic about how high my bill is. It's always going to be high. Let's just be honest. <laughs> Thank you. I don't look at Here's my card. Hey, listen. How are you doing, sir? Well, you don't understand, man. My kids just got, my wife's trying to take the kids. Is that a fact? And I'm sorry to hear that. I'm really sorry to hear that. Well, you know, I mean, you know I'm a Christian. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry for what I said a while ago. I didn't mean to get so upset, but. I don't mean to cuss in front of you. That's what everybody always says. I'm like, I, I grew up in construction. Your cuss words don't even phase me, okay? Like, I, I'm oblivious to what you're saying right now. Okay, okay. But I am concerned for your children. And uh, I think you're a Christian, aren't you? Didn't, didn't you say that before? Well, no. I mean, I got saved when I was a kid. Well, I said, well, you're a Christian, but sounds like you're pretty much far from the Lord right now, huh? Yeah. It's pretty tough. You know, she left, and now she wants the kids. I don't know what to do. Job don't pay enough. Guys, can I just, that opportunity comes at you. Don't look at your bill and complain about the price. Put it in your pocket, pay for it, and say, let me pray for you. Can I lead you in a prayer of faith to Christ? Can I pray for your kids? You know what he's not going to say? He's not going to say, absolutely not. He's going to say, yeah, would you please? Now, you don't pray things like, God, give him his kids. No, you, you keep it neutral because you don't know what's going on. But your job is just simply to lead them to Christ. Let the Lord go from there. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've got to remember what this is like. Now, I'm taking a moment here, but you've got to remember what it's like to go back out again. Not just come in and worship. Go back out again. I know stuff's crazy out there, but overlook the craziest and say, God, where's that fisherman you're calling me to reach right now? Where's that? Who's this over? That school teacher right there? She doesn't know Jesus. Let me talk to her. Who you tell me to reach right now for Christ? But you take a moment, <clears throat> you fill this out for us, let us know, and just put it in the offering box on your way out the door. We want to help you get started uh, serving in our church and then helping you go out and come back in. And so today, before you go, I want to give you a chance to pray for you. Um, you know, I never want to leave our church. And if you're watching online, I never want to leave without giving people a chance to come to Christ. Never. Some people think I do this out of repetition. I think, let me tell you something. I have been in church long enough to know that you have no idea uh, who's sitting in here and what's going on in their lives. You never know. I've had people come to me after church and say to me, thank you for praying today for me. And I thought they were already saved. So you never know. So as I lead you in this prayer, please don't think it's just repetition for repetition's sake. I don't know who's watching right now online on broadcast, and I don't know who's in the room. I don't lead you. If you're here and you say, I don't know Jesus and I need to know Christ, I'm going to pray for you right now. Would you please close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment? If you're here and you say, Lord, I need to ask Jesus in my heart. Father, I don't know where to start. I don't know how. I'm going to lead you in this prayer right now and the whole church is going to pray with you. The scriptures say this, you believe in your heart confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved so as we pray the whole church is going to pray with you right now but I want you to pray this out loud to Jesus say dear Jesus I come to you today and I give you my life I give you my heart and Father I ask you today to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness Lord I thank you for saving me giving me a new heart and a new life. In Jesus' name, I make you Lord. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, church. Right? Give me a hand, would you? <clears throat> amen. Well, listen on the screen in front of you right there. It'll say connect.cornerstonerome.com. If you're watching on broadcast and here in the seat back in front of you, there's a little connect card. If you don't mind taking a moment, you prayed that prayer and you, you made business with God. You're saying... I really want to help, I need help get started walking with Christ because I don't know much about the Bible, I don't know much about God. Fill that out and drop in the offering box on your way out the door as well, okay? And one of the couple of things we'll share with you before you go, you can stand to your feet, give a little stretch time, and then we'll head out. Just a couple of things. If you're a young adult, um, 
if you don't mind putting that up back on the screen, guys, if you didn't have a chance to see this, <clears throat> if you're a young adult, uh, you can grab this number right here. Let us know, and we'll contact you about places we're going to gather, what we're going to do, and how we're going to get together. Um, and again, that's for young adults. So if you don't know, if you're like, well, I don't know if I'm a young adult. You're probably not. Like, they know if they are young adults, okay? <laughs> anyway, um, and then catch the visions right out of church right down here. A couple of other things I want to say is our prayer ministry team comes down front as they're making their way down front. They're here to pray for you. Maybe you have something you need to pray about that you, uh, maybe I didn't cover the message today. Maybe it's something that, I don't know, we just didn't cover. They would love to pray with you today. So if you need prayer, as soon as we dismiss, you just come down front and they would love to pray with you uh, this morning as well. And one last thing I'll say is this on, on giving. I know we're in and out. Labor Day weekend, those kind of things like that. But uh, one of our, our accounting team, they were saying, hey, look, it would be a great time to remind people, if you don't know this, you can designate your giving as a remind type thing. You can, it's called like um, um, on an automatic draft, whatever that's called. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't do those things, but you can do it and click it and it just automatically sets it. So if you're in and out of town, you can do that. If you want to give online, you can do that. You can give in person by the offering box as well. But then um, as you're giving... Uh, just always know this, that um, when you're giving, when you go outside and look on the outreach board out there and what we're doing here, understand uh, your church is probably going to matter more in the future than you realize right now. Especially your kids and grandkids. I already realize right now with my kids, some of the stuff they tell me, what they see, I think, my goodness, what would I do without my church? Like, what would I do? I want you to think about this. What would I do, as crazy as it sounds, I know, but with Pastor Stephen, what would I do if I didn't have a Pastor Stephen echoing? <clears throat> I know, I know, I know. He's probably laughing outside right now. I'll hear some comments later. But if Pastor Stephen wasn't echoing to my teenagers right now, the same things I've been teaching them for years. What if the kids' church right now, those teachers, all those volunteer leaders right now, putting into your, believe it or not, your two, three, four, and five-year-olds, you may think, oh, they don't, no, they are. They are learning. If they weren't hearing the same thing, because when you get out in this world, they're not saying the same thing. Not even close anymore. And so I thank God for that. So as you do, as you give, if you're generous to what we do, as we're going out to help make a difference, you can do those things online there. They put it on the screen for you as well. So anyway, as we go, just want to say this over you before, and before we leave in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. <clears throat> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. Man, God bless you guys so much. Y'all have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy your day off. If you get one tomorrow, we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.